Hello everyone and welcome to I'm a Marketer But podcast. First guest today is Rachel from the Masonic Charitable Foundation. Rachel, how are you doing? I'm doing good, <laughs> learning how to speak into a microphone. Absolutely, I feel like I haven't been as close to this. Uh, well, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say something really inappropriate, but I won't. Um, thank you for joining us in the barn today. Thanks for having me. I'm liking the exposed brick. As Gary said, it's unintentional exposed brick. We're unintentional hipsters at the barn today. That's what he says. Tell me a little bit about what you do for uh, the Masonic Charitable Foundation. What's your role, your background? So I've been working for the Masonic Charities for four years. Um, The MCF launched in April 2016. Um, Before that, there were some separate ones and now we've all come together. Um, And I'm the marketing manager so I mark uh, I'm the marketing manager so I manage a team of um, four people and we're in charge of things like social media and putting out our magazine um, some of what we do is quite traditional like um, leaflets and, and other printed things and then um, more recently we're getting more digital as well okay so that was what going to be my next question really is so tell me a bit about charity marketing I guess it's quite different from what a lot of people would know and love about marketing and that you probably have a lot of different elements in your mix and you have to be maybe potentially more careful about certain stuff so how do you go about planning what you're going to do and and what is in your mix um I think you know a lot of people I know that are in marketing in the more corporate side of things everything's quite sales focused and um, as a charity that's not on our radar at all and specifically uh, with the Masonic Charitable Foundation we're quite different to other charities in that we don't fundraise from the public so um, we're a a charity that gives about 20 million a year to Freemasons and their families who need support and also other charities in local communities Um, but all of that money comes from Freemasons so um, yeah in terms of of our aims and the aims of what we do it is quite different to um, even other charities, you know, not just yeah. different from corporate marketing, but also from um, someone like Cancer Research that's putting out campaigns to get people to donate money. We just don't do that um, because we're quite lucky to have uh, very generous Freemasons out there that, you know, they give us all the money we need to carry out our work. I did not know that. So it's basically like just internal marketing constantly. Yeah. How big is the network then of, of Freemasons? Yeah. I guess you could call it sort of membership marketing um we've got about two hundred thousand freemasons in england and wales because um that's the area that we cover there are freemasons all around the world but we're sort of limited to those um those areas in which we work and those are the freemasons we get our money from um so yeah we, we are just um, i can't remember what you asked me <laughs> how basically how big is the network and i guess the next question i would ask then is how do you stop it running dry because as with customer marketing and with the world that I've sort of been in before is that there's only so many messages you can send to the same people to kind of get them to do the same things, I suppose. Um, so yeah, how do you keep it fresh and how do you keep those donations coming in from the very generous, but obviously quite static membership base yeah. that you've got? Um, we are lucky that, um, you know, Freemasons are incredibly generous. Uh, they, so our fundraising, I'll kind of give you a quick summary. Our fundraising comes in through festival appeals, which are five-year fundraising um, sort of campaigns that run in uh, what we call Masonic provinces. So um, there's a Masonic province of Surrey, for example, or um, West Lancashire. 
Uh, so each of these areas at certain points will run a five-year appeal and it all comes in through that. Um, but yeah, it is something we're always very concerned about that you know, they are a limited in size um, group and we we need to make sure that what we're putting out there is quite fresh. Otherwise, it's just the same message over and over again. Yeah. Um, so a lot of what comes into that is, um, which is something I've, I've worked with Capital Content on a lot over the last um, 18 months, is that storytelling. Because the message can be the same over and over again, but the story that you tell to illustrate that message can be different every time. Okay. So who's the most generous region and who's the most stingy region? Oh, I could never say that. Um, but Your hair's full of secrets. <laughs> it is, but um, I think one of our... Um, the, the biggest total we had recently was from uh, Hampshire and Isle of Wight, but they are also one of the, the biggest, um, but they broke the record. It was seven point something million raised over that period of five years, which was staggering. But um, I don't know the exact numbers, but Freemasons tend to give an average of 600 and something pounds over that five year period, which um, regardless of which province they're in. Uh, which I think is amazing because I don't think I've given 600 and something pounds to charity over the past five years. No, um, although I have been ever since having my baby, I'm really susceptible to like adverts on the telly. So, <laughs> so any, lots of two pounds. Any, exactly. I'm just like, oh, <laughs> that dog looks really sad. Two pounds. Yeah, two pounds. And I then can they do call me and then they're like, so, you know, you donated two pounds. Do you think you could commit to donating 10 pounds over the next week? Yes. If it will help all the dogs in the land. Just that two pounds. Just yes. Up. Take so, all my when, money. So when I think, because I'm the same, I'm, you know, I'll, I'll send my text, my, you know, donate five pounds at Comic Relief. But Freemasons are so much more um, dedicated all through the year um, that, you know, I, before I joined the charity, didn't know that much about them. But I was like absolutely astounded now that I'm working with them, just how generous each individual is and how much they raise for us. Not just for us, though, for, you know, they also on top of that do lots of things locally um, in their own areas. So, yeah, it's we're in a position where um, we've got these really generous people. We need to make sure we're spending their money in terms of um, both our charitable work, but also our marketing work in the most effective way possible. Um, you know, we are lucky that they're so generous, um, but it's doing the best with that yeah. that we can. That's really lovely, and it actually makes me feel really bad about myself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, me too. I just say, well, I work for charities. So that's my charitable work. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Five days a week. Exactly. Yeah. Just dedicate my life to it. So thanks for telling us a little bit about that, and I'm sure that um, it's kind of a unique... It's a sort of an industry within an industry in that respect, but I think there's some learnings that any marketer can probably take from that regardless, and that if you're, if you're kind of wanting to tell the same story... Because I suppose whether you're a huge brand or a charity or whatever, you the story doesn't change much with product releases, but it's just about yeah telling it in different ways, mm -hmm. isn't it? And getting under the skin, I suppose, of different yeah. people. So thanks for that. On that note, I thought we'd kind of delve a little bit deeper into campaigns that you've been a part of that have gone particularly well and mm -hmm. ones that potentially, I guess, everyone wants to hear about and that ones that definitely haven't gone well. And that can be in your current with your current hat on with the uh, the Freemasons or sorry, the Masonic Charitable Foundation or not. It can be from when you were kind of 18 and just starting out with this stuff. <laughs> and I'm, I'm happy to kind of share some stuff as well, but obviously after you. Yeah. So what's, uh, let, we'll go with the good stuff first. Okay. And we'll do like a sandwich. Okay. So, well, so what's, have you been part of um, any particular, any campaign that kind of springs to mind that went really, really well and why? And um, yeah, just yeah. kind of chat about that. 
Um, yeah, I had a bit of a think about this. The one that I would say went the best was in, um, oh, was it last year or the year before? The MCF Community Awards. So um, it's the three, it was the 300th anniversary of Freemasonry. And we as a charity wanted to do something special to mark that. So um, we had a three million on top of our, um, like, you know, we give 5.5 million a year to local and national charities, but we had an extra um, three million pound prize pot and local Freemasons chose a number of charities in the local area um, and then the public were invited to vote on so every oh, nice. everyone nominated would get a grant but whether the grant was um, you know a few thousand pounds or all the way up to 15,000 pounds was dictated by the public vote um, and we've never done that before so all the grants that we've given have, you know, they go through an amazing process with our charity grants team, but they are decided by us with the help of the Freemasons. But we've never um, asked the public, how do you want us to help your local community? So, um, you know, we've got these 300 charities across the um, 48 regions that we work in. And uh, marketing wise, we were thinking, how do we get people engaged how do we get the public who probably at this point you know we only launched in 2016 haven't even heard of us as an organization how do we suddenly get them to go on our website and vote and uh, the key thing that we found in the end we had so I think at some point um the the our, our um head of strategy was asked how many votes do you think we're going to get and he was sort of optimistic 50,000 like we would love to get 50,000 votes and over that, I think it was a six-week voting period, we got about 178,000 votes. Oh, wow. Which for us was just, we were so surprised. Every day we were checking it, like, oh, my God, we've got, you know, thousands have come in this weekend. And when we look back, it was the reason it was successful was because rather than us, you know, as a relatively unknown entity, just pushing ourselves, we instead created tools and then empowered those charities to do the promotion for us um so we put together um packs promote promote the vote packs which had um social media posts and template press releases um props that could be used in photos one of the things that we we had noticed over time was our name didn't always get mentioned uh, in the press coverage but if you're in the if your logo is in the photo then you're already, you know, even if they, they neglect to put, they cut that bit out of the press release. And sometimes that's okay, right? It happens. Yeah. It totally happens. And the focus is always um, on the charity that's being helped, and it should be, because mm -hmm. they're the ones that are doing the amazing work. That's why we fund them. But obviously, from a marketing perspective, you do want your logo or your name. Mm -hmm. So we, you know, made these props that had our logo in them. So even if someone didn't even read the story, if you just glance in your local paper at the, um, at the page you'd see us there and um you know we we were hopeful that people would use them but we we didn't know if they would and then over the weeks you know local newspapers everywhere and on social media if you search the hashtag um, which was hashtag mcf awards i think it was just loads and loads of these images with these props um we were also mindful that while some of the charities were much bigger and they'd have a marketing team others you know these tiny little charities that have got three people that are both the ceo and the accountant and the marketing person and the helpline person 
Um, so we put together a Promote the Vote booklet that kind of gave people top tips on how to do social media posts for it and how to get in contact with a local journalist and all that kind of stuff. Um, and, yeah, we got really good feedback on that. So, you know, all, all went off really well. We got so many more votes than we thought. Um, a ridiculous amount of coverage in local papers and on social media compared to you know before so for, for me that was something that we were really really happy with no yeah you should be you should be yeah. proud <laughs> that sounds impressive and I think what I take away from that um is kind of twofold and one of them is clever visuals which is yeah don't kind of underestimate the power of video and imagery and mm-hmm. because I think a lot of marketers get real bogged down in text yeah still in 2000 and 19 19 Jesus yeah. yeah 2019 but more more so I take away from that is there what's that phrase on about a boy no man is an island they aren't are they no, no and because you engaged so many other people that's probably yeah use your network why it worked yeah. yeah it's not just you know coming from your one social media account mm-hmm. um you know you can have a you might have loads of followers it's great we, we didn't have that many um but if you think of like if everyone that I work with shared it to all of their followers yeah. how big is the reach of that and that's kind of the um the strategy that we went with I guess with the stumbling block a lot of times is why would they mm-hmm. but obviously you being a charity and that a lot of people are kind of more willing and there's not, not yeah much there was incentive there was, yeah. there was an incentive there so um you know I'll, I'll and then I've, I've got something to say about how we tried to replicate that again and it didn't go that well which would be your next question but um <laughs> Will it? for that purpose I think I'm <laughs> psychic um but for that purpose it worked it worked really really well so we were happy so tell me about <laughs> a marketing campaign that then did not go go so well that you were a part of I'm using intuition I think it might be something similar yeah it was so <laughs> so following the success of that that as I said that was our additional kind of one-off special project that we did but we do give that 5.5 million a year to um, charities every year and so we thought well why don't we just um, replicate you know those packs yeah. those packs that we we send out that have all those tools um, but through probably a mixture of us not communicating properly with the charities about what we expected them to do with the packs so um the first couple of times they went out they would have just received them and probably you know oh this is lovely but what do you want me to do with it and you know arguably as you were saying that lack of incentive they've already got their grant at that point yeah um those packs have not been as successful so we still get some lovely images that are used but nowhere near the extent that we had during the community awards so um you know as i said always keeping an eye on using charitable money effectively um there's something that we'll review um which i think sometimes in marketing you just need to do you you don't just do it and stick with it and think it worked once or keep doing it again you you think it worked really well that time in that specific set of circumstances but it's not working now um so having the kind of the humbleness to be like my amazing idea that I pitched you a year ago it's not working so we're going to stop yeah and I suppose it's kind of being um experienced enough Mm -hmm. as you are to now know obviously that some some things are replicable and some things you can template year on year on year but if it's uh, something really different like that was that they might have a shelf life of once and that's again that's okay that's fine yeah um but I think when I was thinking about campaigns that didn't work it did raise a a a sort of bigger issue for me really which was if you don't measure 
the success of your campaigns effectively, then how do you even know? Mm -hmm. Um, So I think, you know, that one was easily measurable for us because we did keep an eye on, you know, how many votes came in. That was an amazing measure of it. And also, um, you know, the press cuttings that we got and also how many, you know, hundreds of thousands of people came to our website during that period. Um, But I think a lot of marketing teams are this probably the same in that you're spending so much time you know coming up with the ideas and then delivering them on time and then you're on to the next one that you maybe don't always invest as mm-hmm. much time as you should in tracking how that went um so yeah definitely you know thinking about recording this made me think right 2019 needs to not just be about the amazing campaigns but measuring and being able to report back you know to my head of department and to our donors as well um that we you know spent our budget in a way that had an impact um because you know it's all well and good to say which ones didn't go well and a lot of the time we probably just don't know we don't know which ones and also, even if they didn't go well, I mean, so my one of my worst ones that I've been part of, and it's prob- it's not worse in a cringy way, it's just worse from a learning perspective, was that we kind of tried to move on from the failure of it too quickly rather than adapting. And so I'll put some context around it and that we, as we always do, um, plan an event kind of six weeks plus out. This was in, in a company a couple of couple of. Um, instances ago for me but there was just no uptake and rather than using like the gut-wrenching intuition I had was to cancel the event and do something different with the people the couple of people that had signed up we kind of just decided to go ahead anyway Mm. and it was awful because it was a kind of a nice big private dining room in like a really nice place but the guys for the guys the two of them that were around the table with the five sales guys that were also sat there it was just really uncomfortable and it was obvious that we had not intended for them both to be there despite Mm. the lead sales guide saying just tell them that it was supposed to just be them two and as a marketer you know that that's not going to fly but sometimes you kind of because you're already thinking about the next one you're like I'll, I'll just let them run it that way what we probably should have done was cancelled the event beforehand and got those two guys to come in for a one-to-one meeting or given them a personalised workshop or something. So I guess it's about everything might not go to plan and it might not measure or like be as successful as you think, but just try and nip it in the bud before it goes wrong and adapt it because that's okay. We can't always get it right first time. And even that, that template of that event had worked time after time after time but for some reason that time it just there was no uptake and that's all right yeah and also I think um not just kind of shoving the things that didn't go right into your you know like I'm never thinking about that ever again but actually probably thinking about that as much if not more than the things that went well because you want to make sure that doesn't happen again Mm -hmm. and learn from it and work out exactly if possible why like what did we do? What could we have done differently? And sometimes it's just a total fluke. I remember running, this is very event focused, as you can imagine, because <laughs> that's my background. I booked an event in the Churchill War Rooms in London. They have like, they have a conference bit, which is really strange. But I didn't, I just underestimated the British public's aversion to rain. Oh. I thought we'd all be used to it, really. I thought it'd be fine. Yeah. It absolutely just pissed it down, bleep that if you want (laughs) that morning and uh, yeah like hardly anyone turned up and when I contacted them afterwards they did say because it was raining so sometimes you have to just expect the unexpected that way as well but again yeah I'm not going to not do that again because it might rain Mm -hmm. I'll just try again another day yeah yeah definitely 
Cool. So to finish up, mm-hmm. I thought we'd just have a quick chat about, obviously we've both worked in marketing for a fair amount of time now and probably heard a lot of horrible cliches and just things that make you inwardly want to vomit in your own mouth. Um, so I thought we'd kind of chat about <laughs> some cliches or things that you hate about the industry so far um, in your experience. I'll go first so you know exactly what I mean. Okay. So. Oh, and the reason for this is I have been listening to some uh, podcasts recently as we started chatting about earlier. One of them is The Guilty Feminist. Mm -hmm. And she kind of prefixes all of her episodes with, I'm a feminist, but. So I thought we'd start with, I'm a marketer, but. Mm -hmm. Because I do love what I do, but. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm a marketer, but. um, There's a few here, but I hate companies jumping on the viral video bandwagon it's probably pretty cliche to say to uh, we're next to a man who runs a content agency but (laughs) when things come out like i don't know the ice bucket challenge or what was that thing where everyone started dancing Um, like the harlem shake yes When I scrolled down my LinkedIn feed the next day, I just got clammy because I just saw companies <laughs> in their office just trying to make something go viral, which just lost all elements of the original coolness that it was supposed to be. And I hate it. Yep. Stop doing it, everyone. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, fully agree. We will, you will see no Harlem shakes from the Masonic Charity Foundation, <laughs> I, I assure you. It's a promise. <laughs> made her sign it when she came in. And also, I'm a marketer, but... I hate reply all congratulatory emails. I don't care. (laughs) (laughs) If you want to say well done to someone, just say it to them. Click the one reply. Unless it's from the the chief executive. And then I'm like, save that in the feedback folder. (laughs) Anyone else, anyone lower than the CEO. Low peasants. You're right. Yeah. You're right. (laughs) And especially, I mean, I I agree with you, but I do have like a soft spot in my heart for when someone didn't know they were replying all that. That's maybe a highlight of my week okay, when yeah. it's something that's very, very clearly meant for one person, but all a hundred of us get to enjoy it. I and like they're that. filed in a separate folder. Yes. Yeah. So do you have anything? I do have two. Okay. Um, so I'm a marketer, but I hate the phrase blue sky thinking or blue sky. So when someone rings me and says, we can just blue sky some ideas. I, do, I don't know do what you mean. people still say that to it, you? Are the clouds the ideas? Are there, I, like, I don't, I don't know what you're talking about. And why why are you saying it three times in one telephone call? I don't know. I heard you the first time. I heard time. you the first time. <laughs> I'm, I've, I can, I've got the image of the blue skies, but where are the ideas? Are we throwing the ideas in the sky? Like, I, I don't get it. Is that your response on the phone? Um, I, I breeze past that very quickly. Bring it down to earth. Bring it down to earth. I want solid ground ideas, not ones that are in the sky. Agreed. So that's my first one. I mean, there are many, many phrases like that, um, but I can't say some of them because they'd be too instantly recognisable to the person that says them. The um, one person that says them. Yes, I can't. But um, please say, yeah, don't, Gary, who's, the, who's watching us, don't ever tell me you want to blue sky some ideas because that will be the end of our working relationship. Noted. Um, I'm also, so I'm a marketer, but I really, really hate when a salesperson keeps ringing me back every week. Mm-hmm. Um I'm almost certain to never, ever use your services if you ring me. Hi, it's, I'm going to use fake name, Steve from... It's not fake. (laughs) (laughs) The Mail House. I literally have post-its sat around my computer screen that have the name and the telephone number. So when it comes up, I definitely don't answer it. And I 
as soon as they say the name, I hold the phone away from my ear and I look at everyone else and I'm just like, why is this person ringing me? And the first time I might be quite friendly because I appreciate it's their job. I know they have to do it. But it does get me to the point where I personally dislike this person because you're bothering me so much. And um, I do have to be quite direct. Like when I want to discuss this, I'm going to give you a call. Mm -hmm. Do not call me anymore. Um, Ultimately, as marketers, we are open because we have to keep thinking fresh and innovative. Innovative? Innovative. All the time. Yeah. So if you come, like, I want people to call me with stuff that I might be interested in. Mm -hmm. But like you say, if you don't come back straight away, if you're not interested, then that's because you're genuinely not. And maybe, you know, follow up, but not every week, not every Tuesday, ringing me again, quarterly. You know, I'm not thinking about it now, but I might be in April. Yeah. You know, I I appreciate you or, you know, send me information, send me an email that I can file away. But a phone call is social media. Yeah. Any of those things, (laughs) LinkedIn, whatever you want. But a, a call disrupts your day so much that I think it's actually quite damaging to the potential relationship Mm -hmm. because you end up, you know, getting on my list of people that I never want to work with because you're annoying. You're on your post-it. Yeah, you're. if you become a post-it around my my screen, you're never having my business. (laughs) You you want a post-it, Gary? (laughs) (laughs) Gary doesn't call me anymore. He calls Freya instead. Excellent. executive. Yeah, so, yeah, those are my things. Blue skies and um just following up hi it's, it's steve i'm just following up on our call from last week where you weren't interested are you yeah are you interested now no steve <laughs> and i never will be <laughs> so call someone else that's in room 101 i'm yeah. not sure we can even say that lovely it was really good to talk to you this was not I've... as terrifying as i thought it would be no and we are definitely close enough to the microphones yes excellent because yeah. gary hasn't like got the back of our head and like smashed it in at any point <laughs> so that's what he does <laughs> save me <laughs> <laughs> thank you very much it's lovely to talk to you thanks for having me in your hipster barn yeah anyone that wants to come down the barn just let us know yeah um we have green tea they have green tea coffee and rum but no builder's tea so take from that what you will yeah thank you so much i'll talk to you soon thanks bye Bye.